In this Edgar podcast, we talk to Phil Meadows, a golfer who, after seizing the chance to once again enjoy all the benefits of the sport, has experienced this season a summer of golf he will always remember. England's Phil Meadows is a golfer who, aged 53, is still improving, and 2023 also offered him exciting new competitive opportunities. Thinking closely about golf and what it has given him are part of what makes him tick. This season he has been able to attend, when his busy work diary allowed, international golf events from St Andrews and Royal Burgess in Scotland to Woburn in England, playing iconic golf courses and making new friends for life along the way. Golf is good for Phil, very good. He believes passionately in the value of the game for the health and social well-being of those who play it. Phil is a member of the Cambridgeshire Golf Club and loves the fresh air and the trees around this course with its gentle undulations and challenging tests for its players. 100%, yeah, definitely would tell somebody to give it a go. It's about being out in the fresh air. It's about meeting new people. It's about competing. It can be a frustrating game trying to hit a small little ball around the field, as people say. But yeah, it's about that interaction with other people, making new friends, good for your health and mental health well-being. But I think golf is just fantastic. On the growing international G4D circuit, which means golf for the disabled, it has been something of a year of first for the Cambridgeshire man in Edgar tournaments, a season that has seen Phil become a world-ranked top 10 seated golfer, who in May was one of 80 golfers with a range of disabilities from around the world to tee it up in the history-making first G4D Open at Woburn the tournament directly linked to the world-famous Open Championship itself, staged by the RNA in partnership with the DP World Tour and supported by Edgar. And Phil's competitive edge would be sharpened further a month later when he played a starring role in the English Open for golfers with a disability, which would be his best finish of the year. I love playing competitiveness because obviously it's always about challenging yourself and trying to push yourself to see where you can be and where you can drive to next. But yeah, I just love the game. Love getting out there, meeting new people. This exacting challenge against the self that golf offers resonates with Phil. He knows he must work on his game with discipline to maintain his skill set from a powered chair to improve shot by shot. Playing from a chair is a unique test of physical upper body strength, technique, rhythm and timing, Phil says, but also precision, and then the endurance and concentration that is needed in any 18-hole match. But whether it is the skill or the mental side of the game, we're all only human when it comes to golf. We're only human, aren't we, so at the end of the day, so we can't be a machine every single day. Phil made his debut in an Edgar event in perhaps the best place of all, at the most iconic golfing town in the world, the home of golf. It was April, but a wind made from pure ice made its stay in St Andrews. A wrapped-up Phil and his fellow players moved over to the first tee on the Eden course. It was Phil's first competitive shot in St Andrews. Which was one not to be forgotten. Obviously, what a course to do the, you know, do you know what I mean? What 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 a start at St Andrews and playing the first Edgar event. Yeah, it was a bit nerve wracking. Obviously, first tee and obviously not used to it. All the signage and being announced on the tee, so on and so forth. But actually, what an experience! People made you feel so welcome. Never felt 
uneasy, even if you was sort of on your own and waiting to tee off, people would torture you. So yeah, it's really, really good. Yeah, loved it. Phil and his new friends also got to play at an RSM golf day at the imposing Royal Burgess Golf Links on the trip. RSM being one of the key supporters of the St Andrews event. The next one was obviously the G4D, which is then another step up, which was probably massive because obviously DP World, R&A, totally different, wasn't it? So, yeah, and that was amazing. The first G4D Open then was held at Woburn and was contested by players in nine sport classes, including two seated classes. And this historic event welcomed 80 qualifying players from 17 nations, the action being watched across media channels by people all over the world. Phil admitted to having a few butterflies at the start. Quite scary. First day, first tee. I even had the guy from Sky News and he had the video sticking in your face and you're like, oh, my life. Here we go. But, yeah, just got to try to remain composed and obviously just try and blank it out, which I managed to do. And obviously, yeah, put one straight down the middle, which was fantastic. So, yeah, yeah, all good. The following month, Phil took his best golf to play in the English Open for Golfers with a Disability at Kings Norton Golf Club in the West Midlands, where he enjoyed his best result of the year, second place in the Stableford category. Phil has been through enough in his life not to let a few first-tee nerves faze him for long. When we chat, he shakes his head wistfully when he thinks back to his 17-year-old self following the motor scooter accident. But part of the head shake must be for how far he has come, how he has adapted to a new life, developed a good career while helping to bring up his daughter, Bethany. Phil was born in Newmarket, Suffolk, in 1970 and his family moved to Cambridgeshire where he lives to this day. By 1987, aged 17, Phil was in a scooter club which went on rallies around England, riding out to hear Northern Soul and Ska music at festivals. He would also use his scooter to get to and from work and one day when he was going back into work for the evening he made a rash decision to overtake and hit an oncoming car. His injuries were so serious he was at one point given 48 hours to live. don't remember nothing obviously yeah just woke up but I was pretty much out of it to be honest because obviously yeah I had a fractured skull, swollen brain, broken ribs, you know, broken leg, which is all pinned, obviously paralysed. I don't really remember a lot about it. It wasn't until there was a visit with the doctors where they do their, like, their ward round that I was told that I was physically paralysed and obviously wouldn't walk again. I went through quite a lot of pain and headaches and stuff before sort of realisation come in of what had actually happened. I think that my drive and determination come from when I was admitted to hospital at Addenbrooke's in Cambridge. Um, I then got moved to Stoke Mandeville, the spinal unit. On my assessment when I was moved there, I was told that I could be there for anything from six months to a year because of rehab and adjusting to the way that I, I was within a wheelchair. I turned around to my dad and I said, I can't be in here for, for a year. There's no, I just can't do it. And my dad turned around to me and said, well, you know what you've got to do then. And I think that was a trigger within my head that was like, I'm the only one that can do this. I'm the only one that can drive this. From that day, I've always pushed myself. Don't get me wrong, it was tough. And there was emotional times and there was a lot of adapting, a lot of aggression and frustration. But yeah, my driving determination come from that 
first conversation realistically and I've always pushed myself to the best of my ability because there's always room for improvement in whatever you do see that's something that's stuck with me throughout my life you know there's always times where things are going to be tough and it's always going to be hard but you've got two choices haven't you you can sit around and mope about it or you can dust yourself off and think well what can I actually do to make a difference you Mm -hmm. just crack on and get on with it people ask me now how does it affect you so the only thing that I can't always do is walk if I want to do anything else you can do it you know skiing golf water skiing whatever you want to do if you put your mind to it and you've got the drive and determination you can do anything you want to do Very tough times back then, but Phil always tried to crack on, as he says. As he grew older, things started to take a very positive turn for Phil. Daughter Bethany is now grown up and married, while Phil has a loving partner of 10 years, Melanie, and the couple dote over their pride and joy of today, Vinnie, the St Bernard dog. Mel has taken up golf recently herself. Phil believes he is a good coach for her, and in fact, on the day of our interview, they were heading out to play nine holes together. Even 30 years or so ago, golf was a great discovery after his accident and his father Paul and Phil, then aged 21, went to a taster day given by the Handy Golf Foundation, specialists in wheelchair golf. For a few years, Phil played from a Patterson wheelchair, a conventional but light and mobile model in which he could enjoy swinging the club, which he chose to do with both hands, a method he has continued with despite investing more recently in a powered chair, a brand called Paragolfer. A machine of this type elevates the player into a conventional standing stance for the shot, and some players elect to swing one-armed for ease of movement in this case, backhand or forehand in effect, but Phil has stayed with what works well for him. After enjoying the game for a while, for nearly a decade, Phil decided to put golf on hold as he focused on his career and family. He has worked many years in telecommunications and currently is a manager of a Tesco phone shop. But in his 40s, he got back into the sport. He had maintained links with the Handy Golf Foundation, today he volunteers as its secretary, while an inheritance from his grandma helped Phil make the key decision to invest in the paragolfer. While it was a massive step change to now play from this standing position in the chair rather than being conventionally seated, he nevertheless soon adjusted and has never looked back. Phil knew of Edgar from fellow seated player Terry Kirby. Fast forward to 2022 and Phil had started playing with Jason Croucher, who lives close by and who himself was looking at signing up for Edgar. Retired firefighter Jason travelled that April to Coventry to make his own debut in the Johnny Ray Classic. Picking up the phone after finishing, Jason enthusiastically relayed his first positive experience and Phil started to look into it all, eventually signing up for St Andrews this April. I find out with Edgar that the people that you play with tend to put you at ease. doesn't seem to be any stress or competition within it because obviously if you get those people that are really competitive, that can sort of throw you off your game because it just feels like you're out there playing with your mates on a Saturday afternoon, it just brings out the best in you, to be honest. And that's the thing that I like about Edgar. Although it is competitive and you're all playing for world ranking points, it's that friendliness and networking that you get within it. The first day I played with one of the Czech guys, praising each other on good shots. And at the end, when it comes to that last thing, you know, having a massive hug on the green, and then he went and got me a golf ball with the Czech Republic logo on it, so Disabled Golf Association, just makes it so special. 
and all those worries and concerns go out your head. It's not all about hugs and handshakes, of course. Phil does relish being competitive. But again, part of this competition is to get the most out of himself while enjoying the thrill of golf with his playing partners. Every shot's the next shot. So if you have a bad shot, you've just got to put that out of your head and then play the next shot, haven't you? At the end of the day, it's just about remaining focused, not getting frustrated. The minute you get frustrated is the minute that you'll lose the game. And obviously that's it. Put in the grind, stay relaxed. I went through a stage where I struggled massively with, I don't hit the ball a long distance. I don't do this. I don't do that. And then you start asking and doubting yourself and questioning yourself are you good enough to compete? Are you this, that and the other? And I started asking other people, do I change my swing? Do I go from two hands to one hand to generate more speed? And a lot of the feedback that I got back, because I threw it out there to other people, was you might not hit a long distance, but you're straight and you're consistent. Although it might take you an extra shot or an extra two shots to get to where you need to, that's what the handicap system is there for. I played at Captain's Day this year at the Cambridge year and obviously played with some really big hitters, but I didn't feel at threat because although they may have been long, they were always in trouble because they may have been in the trees or in the rough and lost balls, so on and so forth. So sometimes it's not about being long, it's about being consistent. So yeah, adaptability is there. I still doubt myself sometimes around distance and that's something that I'm currently working on. Um, I'm not saying that I want to drive the ball 300 yards like a Rory McIlroy or something like that. If I could get an extra 10, 15 yards, then yeah, that would be fantastic. You need to be realistic. You, you've only got the ability that I have is the ability that I have. I just need to tweak what I've got to try and get the best out of what I can do. Lucky enough, I have a good short game. So chipping and putting is normally really good. Off the tee, I'm good. Just I'm just not long, but yeah. that it doesn't matter. You're still able to compete. Phil is currently working on his upper body strength and movement, a relaxed grip, the release through the swing with supple wrists, all aiming to add power and timing where he can. It's a work in progress, he says, as is his adapting to include competitive golfing opportunities in his busy diary around his work. He certainly wants to play in as many events as he can, and especially in the G4D Open again, if he qualifies. As a wheelchair user, Phil has faced in golf many of the travel, facility and customer services challenges he faces the rest of the time. He remains positive because, as he says, how you go about life is a choice. However, in the main, he is cautiously optimistic that more golf venues are working harder to be accessible, including on the course for those with powered chairs. For example, he thinks it's fantastic that his club, the Cambridgeshire, is looking to create flexibility in the winter months to ensure that even if parts of the course is too wet for heavy para golfers, rather than closing this option, a route of seven holes can be provided to ensure play wherever possible. Common sense goes a long way, he believes. Apart from friends and staff at the Cambridgeshire, Phil offers special thanks to Kai Menai Davis, PGA coach of the Shire and founder of the Golf Trust, for his support in helping to get him started with the paragolfer and offering invaluable encouragement and swing advice over the years. He is also grateful to the Handy Golf Foundation, his parents, his partner in life and golf Melanie and many of his Edgar golfing buddies, including Jason of course, who in the summer will play at times once or twice a week with Phil, 
Neither man quite remembers where their match scoring lies. To be honest, we spend too much time laughing to keep a proper score, says Phil. Here he reminds us that he is so grateful to his many supporters who have helped him in his golfing career so far. After being inspired this year in competition and making so many new friends through golf, Phil has his eyes firmly on 2024. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely want to progress next year, push myself, try and get my first win on an Edgar tournament, if that's possible. Stiff competition out there. And obviously, yeah, the category is quite varied with it, with the handicap system. But yeah, I think it's I think it's within me. And obviously with what I've done this year will drive me to to push harder next year and see what we can do. So golf is massive uh, in my life. Obviously, it's about getting out there, meeting new people, making new friends, competing, and hopefully coming out with a win. It's good for your health and mental well-being. Like I've said before, I absolutely love it. Um, and obviously, yeah, yeah, Melanie's now started playing a lot more this year, and she's got the bug as well. So that sort of steers me on. It's nice to get out and play different courses, different surroundings, and obviously I've been lucky enough to play some great courses this year. You know, St Andrews is massive, has a massive opportunity, Royal Burgess, you know, just all these courses is just, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. And sometimes you don't always take it in of what you've done and where you've done it. It's not till you come back and you reflect on where you've played that you think, blimey, I've actually played St Andrews or, you know, do you know what I mean? It's like absolutely amazing. Wyoming was fantastic. The sound that you get, the trees, yeah, just brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. This Edgar podcast was written and narrated by Ben Evans and the sound production was by Martin Maynard of Sounds Good. You can find more stories of people with a disability thriving through golf in the profiles section of the Edgar website at edgargolf.com and you can contact members of our team through the website.